0: Welcome to Crypto Kid Podcast, back at it again. So today I have a special guest, Max, and he's involved with blockchain technology and crypto space, and he's going to be talking a little bit about making cryptocurrency a religion, in a way, and how it's different from broad apes and shit like that. So Max, why don't you tell me how you got involved in the the
1: arena? Oh man, gosh, I'm... I wouldn't call myself an OG. In fact, there are some young men who are younger than I who who pulled me aside at a coffee shop one day. They overheard me talking about something. And uh, basically, uh, these guys, um, a couple of guys um, um, pulled me aside in 2011 and told me about this technology called Bitcoin. Um, And I was I was blown away. Of course, I'm I'm not particularly tech tech savvy and at the time this was even before mount gox so getting it was really difficult so i said look you know can can we get together can you um help me do this and you know help me acquire some i was like i can put a thousand dollars on it now this is 2011 um and he's like sure let's just we'll do it together next time we get together for coffee and he and got his email well, we never got back together for that coffee. And of course, I'm considerably poorer for it. But I will say I have never stopped being a cheerleader. And you're right. And to some degree, I like to frame it as what if we treated the cryptocurrency space as sacred, as more like a religion rather than more like a gambling, gambling casino?
0: OK, OK. Yeah, I know that it's the market's going up and it's getting popular again, and People yeah. are constantly asking me, hey, how much money did you make out of it? And to be honest, I'm not like really in into the space for the money. I'm into the space because I see great value in the long term. Like what I mean in the long term is the future of governance and law, and how how there's going to be mass adoption towards yeah. this technology. And can you give me some insight on the valuability
1: of this technology? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think. Well, let's let's put it this way. Um, I I think that the last we're we're finally coming out of the last winter to some degree. You mm-hmm. know, you know the last crypto winter. I think there was a lot of emphasis on there was a lot of emphasis on DeFi, and there's and there's not anything wrong with that per se. But it depends on the, the nature of the DeFi project you're talking about. But more importantly, there was the whole NFT craze. And that seemed to me to be a bubble all along. Um, now, that's not to say that the technology behind NFTs and NFTs themselves as a concept are not important or not useful. They are. It's just the way they were treated. And this is the difference between the sacred and the profane thing that I'm trying to get across. So like, um, and you asked me specifically about the technology. I think finally we're getting to some maturity on the DAO space, distributed autonomous organizations or DAX in other contexts, other tokens, um, you know, using the the Ethereum language there. But um, the, the, the matura- maturation of the DAO space, I think is gonna be super important to this um, in the way we organize ourselves as human beings. I like to think of this stuff. So backing up, I'm I'm, I'm kind of like, I try to see my, I see myself a bit differently than most people do in terms of the, the technological solutions or being really into as a coder, say, what they're building or functionality wise. I mean, I obviously keep abreast of it, but I see my role in the crypto space as almost being like a The old wise man sitting on your shoulder or sitting beside, standing beside you, you know, on the journey saying, don't forget why we're doing this. And I like to put it in terms of the five M's, okay? Mission, we're doing this, if we believe Satoshi Nakamoto, we're doing this to increase our self-sovereignty as human beings, right? To move away from the centralization of power, to decentralize power. So that's mission. Morality, What's right and wrong, right? What, what does it mean to live a good life? Right? We got to remember that. What does it mean to, what, what, you know, what's right, what's wrong, what is the good? We can't, we can't leave, leave that aside. That's, that's just critical to our, our nature as human beings and to building the good society together. Uh, meaning. What does it mean to live a good life, a fulfilling life, a life, uh, a life of happiness, but also deeper meaning? Can't forget that. So that's the third M. Fourth is mutualism. How do we look out for each other, right? How do we better take care of each other and not outsource that to distant capitals? Because every time we do that, the powerful take advantage of us. They want us on their plantation, as it were. And finally, there's the money, the money part. Everybody knows about the money part, but developing sound money. And of course, crypto is not always just about money. It's about all sorts of functional Things that can be built on smart contracts, DAOs, uh, uh, and the like, um, establishing relationships that are more trustless, that don't require so much third trust and third parties. But at, at the end of the day, I believe if we explore these five categories, we're going to get much more clo- We're going to get much closer to something that's sacred, rather than something that is profane or just about money or just about profit or just about making a buck. You see what I mean?
0: Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up all those points because there's so many questions I could build off that. Just like going back to how crypto started. I remember back in like 2012, 2013, I was in college and just hearing about Bitcoin, I was like, oh, what is that? That's pretty cool. Because I I was researching things about the stock market. I was putting investments into like marijuana trades because I was, I was so hopeful that marijuana was going to be legal. And if I get in early, it's going to raise the stock prices and I'll be like really, really rich or really wealthy. And then my friend's like, you know, I think you're in the wrong arena. You should be looking at like cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. And I was like looking at the price at the time. It was like a hundred bucks or 98 bucks. And I was like, that's too high, man. That's too high. And I was like, in the penny stocks, you know, <laughs> just thinking now looking back, yeah. like, I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, man, I really fucked up. Hey, but, too. Anyway,
1: <laughs> but really. Um... And look, I'm not I'm not trying to say that there's no financial incentive here. I, You know, I check every day, see what the price is on all, all my stuff, um, almost habitually. But I don't allow myself to. um to get too blue when we go through winters. I've been through three winters now. You know, it's
0: almost expected. It's so um like
1: yeah. it's correction. But that's right. Go, going back
0: to my story is that I was doing more research about it, and I was like, okay, so how are people using Bitcoin? He's like the dark web. I was like, what? The dark web? And I at the time I didn't even know what it was. I wasn't really into technology. I was like, I was like, can you explain to me what this dark web is? And He's like, yeah, dude, this goes really deep. And like, this is how people buy weapons, drugs, and other really disgusting things. Like I shouldn't even mention. And I was like, and that kind of turned me off a bit about it. And that's like one of the Mm -hmm. huge reasons why I didn't invest. I was like, well, if law enforcement finds out that I'm looking at Bitcoin or I'm investing in Bitcoin, then they're going to be thinking I'm doing shady shit. And I didn't want that. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. So that's when I backed off. And then as time goes on, I see I started pondering, I started um wondering, like, is there going to be other cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin? And sure enough, there was. And then I was looking at like famous people like Steve Wozniak, like someone that I admire that helped build Apple. And he was get, he was interested and he was starting to see the potential. He's like, I really like it because you could buy stuff on the internet like shoes or miscellaneous things. So I was like, okay, so if these like figures of the world, like are show- expressing interest, like this must be something big because you have to have the good with the bad. Like, even though people do bad things with it, you can still do good things with this kind of technology. And that's really what, what took off my spirit about cryptocurrencies. And then like when you mentioned, what what's his name? Satoshi Nakamoto. I was like, who is this guy? And maybe you could explain it a little bit better and give your opinion. Like, do you think he's alive or do you think he's still around And and he wanted to go ghost on purpose because he didn't want anybody to know that he built this great technology? Or do you think it's like a team of people that built it? like there's a couple um, conspiracy theories like the CIA built it or another entity did but what's your thoughts about that
1: you know i have gone down not not the complete rabbit trail on a lot of these theories but there's some really interesting theories out there um a lot of people uh, i think nick shabo is a is a good candidate um i th- um uh, nick shabo is a both a legal theorist and computer scientist. I think he was from the University of Washington. In any case, he's, um, he's a brilliant guy, and he developed so many of the features that were in, ended up making it into the, the white paper, and of course he was cited. Now, would he cite himself to cover his tracks? Perhaps. But the Byzantine general's problem and, and, and some of the other things, and the thing he tried to build first, which was, if, I'm not, if I recall, Bitgold, um, he, he was really one of the OGs. If he was not part of that team, then his influence is strong. Um, there was Hal Finney who's now dead. He could have been involved, but he was, um, you know, Hal Finney was, was a, um, uh, had Parkinson's or, um, ALS or something like that. Some kind of degenerative ne- neurological disease. And he eventually succumbed to that. Um, now, or I, and I couldn't tell you whether there are instances of Satoshi posting after Hal Finney's death. I could go, we could easily find that online right now, but, um, but he could have been involved in that team, even if he did die. So, <clears throat> and then of course there's Craig Wright saying, it's me, it's me, it's me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the guy for, uh, Blockstream, uh, Adam Back out of the UK. And there are some things about the original white paper that suggest, um, I think there's a one instance or a couple instances of a UK-style spelling that that would suggest someone from Australia or Britain rather than the the US. Um, that being said, there was a some there was somebody brought up the other day, um, n- as early as 1996. I want to say it was an NSA-sanctioned or published paper that had a pseudonym. That was a Japanese sounding name, sort of like Satoshi Nakamoto. And it was about a digital money, cryptographic money. Um, so man, it just makes that all the more mysterious for me. I have no idea. I will say I very much enjoyed uh, the readings of Nick Shabo, the guy I mentioned first mm. um, and in in his uh, legal theory, and he also, you know studies the origins of money, how people use money starting from seashells. Going on up the sort of emergent aspect of what people value and how they started to trade it, and so I found him just interesting as an intellectual. Part of me hopes that he is involved or it's 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 him, but uh, man, I couldn't say.
0: All right, all right. And um, one other thing you mentioned earlier about decentralizing and DeFi network and taking the power out of out of the banks and and things like that see what i'm i'm thinking is that eventually and you correct me if I'm wrong that eventually the banks are going to want to get involved in the digital assets because they're going to want to be in control and originally when bitcoin came out it was to be untraceable now now the law is catching up and now they're able to trace bitcoin and what you're using and what you're buying it for and things like that so it's just like it's kind of leveling out so there's no longer um what is anonymous view of things anymore so what do you think about that
1: yeah i mean bitcoin has always been able to it's always been um pseudonymous to an extent but they can certainly trace it um back to you and there's a whole forensic analysis of, of bitcoin blockchain now where they can they can Basically chase the transactions um, back throughout, because if the blockchain is immutable, that they're all there from the beginning of time. Every single transaction that's ever been and ever per- perhaps ever will be um, is recorded on the blockchain. So um this blockchain forensics has been around for a while. The question is, do we want, you know there there are technologies emerging now called anonymizers that allow you to evade some of this stuff? um and then there are of course um technologies like monero and zcash which for a very long time have been um had anonymous transactions where you can for example zcash you can turn on you can enable something that allows you to to make anonymous transactions that goes back to the question of whether and to what extent it's better to have um transparency versus untransparency or being able to obscure your transactions because you're working on the dark web. You want to mask your behavior because you're doing something bad and they're going to come after you for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I tend to think that there is room for both. And I, and I tell you why, because. um, Yes, the trade-off is that you are able to, or you're going to enable people who are working in these dark markets. Mm -hmm. However, it's like you said just a minute ago we don't want to give the powerful the ability to control us and the more totalitarian things get in this world through this technological through technological means um the less sovereign we're going to be the less meaningful our lives are going to be and so on with those five m's that i mentioned earlier so i'm it's sort of like, um, and we may not agree about this. I, I hope you'll per- permit me to to say it on your show, but it's it's right. it's sort of like the Second Amendment, right? Mm-hmm. It's like yes, there are crazy people who shoot up uh, innocent people. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a lot of crime that's carried out with weapons, but at the end of the day, we need it to be a final check on totalitarian power, and that can never go away. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I see I see uh, anonymous um, transactions as being the same, and uh, pseudonymous interaction as being the same. I also think that we can develop self-sovereign identity systems that accrue reputation. Right. So you might be pseudonymous. Let's just say uh, you're the only people that they, they not Nobody's ever seen your face, and you're you're just Crypto Kid One Two Three Four Five, mm-hmm. right? And that's your identifier and every interaction with you that someone has had whether in transacting with you or interacting with you in whatever way as cryptokid 12345 they say you know what this guy's ace he's good i got what i wanted out of the transaction or my interaction with him was totally positive or whatever and in that and you can port that along with your that self sovereign identity and use that uh, pseudonymous avatar, wherever you go, as long as you're interacting in that that skin, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's a very promising avenue of development that's going to allow for more kind of DAO interactions and things like that. Uh, that 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 keep the powerful away, um, but allow for sort of reputation capital to accrue, and people who don't are not interested in dark markets and things like that, but don't want to give up their their anonymity or their pseudonymity can use self-sovereign identity plus reputation.
0: Right. And that's the whole thing. That's why the United States was built is just for able to have privacy and ownership of of their things, like property and things like that. And eventually as time progressed, they realized that you need law enforcement to help you protect your property from thieves and things and things like that. But it was very, very limited. They had like their control was on a thin on a thin string but in my opinion i think that the government is trying to get more power and more control over the people like uh basically like how the soviet union did so just like mass control collectivization and controlling how much money you can make what you do as a career and no freedom freedom of speech or freedom to do what you want and taking away imaginations and dreams away from people and it seems pretty close to where we're going heading in that direction but going back to cryptocurrency it's just like people can see the freedom in it like all right now this is a way that i could transaction my bitcoin to someone in in japan and have them ship me over this product like shoes or whatever and that's just between us but now now well, I was doing tax I am doing tax it's tax season now so I was talking to my accountant he's like are you dealing with any cryptocurrency assets because now you have to report it and now big brother is like you have to pay Uncle Sam now because you have these these digital assets and we want a piece of the pie too you know what I mean so what, what are yeah. your thoughts about
1: them taxing your cryptos yeah um i mean i think it's i think it's rotten obviously i don't like it um i don't i mean i don't like taxation anyway (laughs) i'm sort of i'm kind of an extremist in this this regard i i I much prefer a, a regime of fees or 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 you know pay pay for what you use pay for what you consume and um and voluntary mutual aid arrangements and voluntary cooperation. Um, Essentially, I and my work ask, to what degree can we develop a voluntary society, a a society based on the consent of the governed, which is the words in the Declaration of Independence, right? That's another founding concept of our country. Um, And, I don't buy that your failure of imagination on the consent of the governed justifies your taxing and redistributing my meager resources to everything under the sun. Never mind that right now we're being taxed through inflation, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, and that's going to come back in 2024. You, you better believe it. Um, so I am... Um, I'm not a fan of t- taxation, and I think the world could run without it, and I think a good world could be built without it. However, in terms of uh, specifically t- taxing cryptocurrency, it's like to what extent can we evade that? And because there are these on ramps and off on ramps and off ramps, like Coinbase, like Binance, like you know any of the other uh, exchanges. They function as intermediaries, as banks, and this is kind of unavoidable. Until we are able to, to build a real parallel economy that's not just about buying drugs and weapons, but as a parallel economy where everything just functions in cryptocurrency, the powers that be are going to find those leverage points, those places where they can extract their, their um their blood from a turnip, you know, and, and perhaps in our cases, um, I hope, I hope you have a, a uh, a good crypto stash. Um, uh, mine is mo- mine is modest, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. You know, um, I'm not as happy with it as I could be if I had gotten in early in 20, but in any case, um, I do, you know, I see the potential for it as creating self-sovereign People's and communities, and or people and communities, and I am hopeful about it. Despite the taxation regime, I do feel the noose tightening, or rather the the vice tightening, with respect to some of the regulatory controls. Um, just just recently, uh, Elizabeth Warren, the senator from Massachusetts, is basically trying to ban crypto, as as far as I can tell. And um, I don't think she's going to get very far, but slowly but surely they're trying to co-opt it. Um, I'm not even terribly saying one about, of course, I like the idea of the price going up, but I'm not terribly saying one about the long-term prospects for, for, for Bitcoin, for example, when we think about an ETF being approved. What's that all about? So I'm just not, I'm not terribly sure about BlackRock you know i know that people will are becoming excited about the prospect of the price of bitcoin going up if a blo- if a bitcoin etf is approved by the government okay and i'm excited about that prospect in the short term i'm thinking i'm less sanguine about the long term viability of bitcoin if so much bitcoin is being held by this third party i mean it goes against the very idea of bitcoin I think that we need to educate people in terms of self-custody. It's easy to to custody your own Bitcoin, even if it's a software wallet, and that's not perfect. But that's better than leaving your money on an exchange. And if you're talking about one of the largest financial institutions in the world that controls billions of dollars in assets, if there is some chicanery with the government in terms of seizing people's Bitcoin, there's not much that they we can do about it because we it's not self custody so that is another vector of losing control that i worry about and i, I don't mean it um just for bitcoin um uh, because there are a lot of tokens out there that are really good and really solid it depends on what properties you're looking for and what uses you have for them but specifically with bitcoin uh which you know up to this point seems like You know one of the most solid cryptocurrencies we talked about the the problem of uh you know of pseudonymity and whether or not it's traceable and and all of those technological upgrades to bitcoin and second layer solutions and things like that but at the end of the day it's the first and it's still the most important it's the most secure at least in most people's minds there's some arguments about that but i think at the end of the day it's among at least the most secure and so with this mass adoption, people think of it as like, okay, I'm just going to put this into my 401k. There's a level of stability that comes with that in terms of price stability. As long as the government doesn't, you know, stays out of it, right? And, and the ETF holds all these people's Bitcoin in custody, then you're going to start to see not only price increases, but less price volatility, because people aren't gonna sell their Bitcoin out of the ETF tomorrow. It's an investment fund. So those are good things about it. But what I worry about is it's at odds with what Bitcoin was created to do, which was to allow you to be self-sovereign and custody your own funds. That's what I'm worried about. And if the government decides tomorrow that it's gone bankrupt and it needs to cling to power and BlackRock is sitting there with a whole bunch of Bitcoin, and the dollar's gone, you know, is valueless, gotten, you know, into hyperinflation. What are they going to do? They're going to turn to a whole big, big pot of money sitting right there at BlackRock. And they'll get it if they want it.
0: Yeah, I've talked about this before in my past interviews, is I think for, for the U.S. To, to make digital assets their currency is you have to have inflation so they could... Have, so they can get an excuse to adopting cryptocurrencies and making their own digital asset for sure. And thank you for sharing that. Now, let's change this up a little bit. Let's talk about like some projects you're working on and some things you're doing to change change the world. Like how are you putting some dents in the universe?
1: Right on. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, one thing I do every day is I rather slavishly published to my substack which is called underthrow okay, okay. Um, underthrow which is also the title of a book my most recent book i just I just came out with and the idea of underthrow is is pretty simple it's the op- it's kind of the opposite or the obverse of overthrow so if you if you think in terms of the powerful what we can do with cryptocurrency is underthrow it because through peaceful relationships we're able to undermine these bloated and powerful third parties that want to take a cut of everything or want to tell us what to do with our money and our lives, and we underthrow them through peaceful means. So that's what that means. And so I play with those themes every every single day, and I have a, a specific means of underthrow that I like to emphasize. It's very crypto-friendly, and that's called subversive innovation, Okay. And subversive innovation is a threefold mandate. And it's going to sound kind of boring and like economics, but bear with me a second.
0: No, let, first, me say, let me say yeah, thing you said about me being boring. I showed someone my podcast and and they're like, yep, it's time to go to sleep now. I was like, I know, I know. It could be boring if you're not into it.
1: <laughs> but go, go ahead. Well, people who are into this will get it. They'll get it when I, yeah. when I say these three things. What we need to do is subversive innovators. And I, and I mean innovators, people who are entrepreneurs and innovators who are out there in the world. I'm not talking about go voting, not talking about going out and picketing on the streets. I'm talking about doing stuff that changes the world, just like Toshi Nakamoto did. And then the first one is we need to operate with the threefold mandate of subversive innovation. And that is to reduce transaction costs. That is to say, make it easier for people to cooperate, collaborate and transact lower costs to do so the second is raise predation costs and that means make it harder and harder for third parties to make you their prey Mm -hmm. right like the government does like crime syndicates so and and then the, the the third the third aspect of a subversive innovation is uh to reduce the cost of exit and that just means to make it Uh, a lower cost proposition to leave a system that isn't working for you and enter into another one. So in terms of projects, that's really, um, um, I have a project recently called the Constitution of Consent Contest. We had a $25,000 total cash and prizes for people to develop a constitution that was completely based on consent. Uh, The idea that you, you know, and the idea would be you could spawn different jurisdictions but that instead of it being, you know, most, most people think of law as being an artifact of conquest, right? He who conquers this land makes the laws for it, right? And even if you have democracy or whatever, it's still an artifact of conquest and accident of birth where you're a citizen of that country or not. This sort of really takes that idea and, and and flips it to going back to that Jeffersonian idea of the consent of the governed that, is what he said that people have a right to in the declaration of independence it's like okay let's put let's put our money where jefferson's mouth was and so we had a constitution of consent contest um we had and there was a, a $20,000 winner a $3,000 second place and $2,000 third place prize winner now we're going to uh, the next phase i'm hoping is we're going to take some of the best ideas of that and we're going to try to come up with a constitution of consent 1.0 and once we do we're going to treat that as open source and we're going to try to get that on a blockchain so that it's you know um you know it's there and it's it's uh, unable to be altered unless through a specific process which is you know will have to be detailed in the constitution itself but um you know the idea is open source law we 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 fully accept the idea that code is open source, right, or can be open source. We also know that it can be proprietary, but I think once we fully accept the idea of open source law, uh, of open source code, we can also accept the idea of open source law, and that means people can opt into systems that are the most beneficial to them, and that. Is true freedom. That doesn't mean you can't uh, honor your obligations and your responsibilities. It just means that uh, we can set up, and we might not, we might set up a honor your obligations to it that you signed up for. So it'd be a, like a multilateral contract with subsidiary groups, uh, niches, or organizations that might be more or less socialist as you please. Might have a universal basic income scheme or something like that. That wouldn't be the top layer. In any case, I'm going on about the details. Suffice it to say, that's one of the big projects I've got coming up. I want to continue that project and I want to see that evolve because I think the existence of such a constitution can teach people to reframe their mentality around the way law is supposed to be administered and enforced. Um, and that will have a, a, a liberating effect on us. At least that's my hope. And my final big project is, um, it's, it's as I'm trying... I'm planting the seeds for starting a fraternal society around this kind of stuff. Um, you know, really talked to you earlier about this idea of what would it be like to have a, a a crypto religion? And so one of the things I'm working on is trying to answer that question with some sort of MVP little organization where if a few of us get together and we grow it and we grow it and we grow it. Um, and I don't mean religion per se. I, I really mean a fraternal organization or a sororal organization. Uh, you know, fraternalism, men, fraternity, brotherhood, as sisterhood. We want men and women to belong to it. You know what I mean? But um, but mm-hmm. the idea there would be to push forward um, sort of like the Freemasons. What, what if you had a crypto Freemasons? What would that look like? The Freemasons became a powerful force in world affairs in past centuries. What does it look like to have um, one that's a crypto-based version of that? It's all about where crypto is just the way it gets instantiated and and crypto of course gets appreciated but the at the center of it is that mission morality meaning mutualism and money
0: absolutely absolutely yeah i hope you get started with that and does sound very intriguing and um if you get that started send me over some information and maybe i might join who knows and right. um and dude, it you were talking about getting involved, I would look at a government blockchain association too. There's they're based out of Washington D.C. and these these guys are a really good group. Gerard and they're all talk. They all talk about um, mm-hmm. governance law and I forget what the other one is and how to make this all come together and cohesive and. There's people from the UN involved, like Dino, I met him up there in Washington, DC. So I think you you would really like that and and enjoy that group of, of people. And, and they you could even talk about it at their events. And they would love to hear they're very open to other um, to entrepreneurs and people with their great ideas. But yeah, how can um how can people reach you? How what's some of those links I could leave down below, like for the book and
1: and your social media and events that you're going to be at. That's awesome. Um, well, first thing it's easy to get in touch with me is underthrow.org. Um, that's, that's my sub stack. And as soon as you sign up for that and, and you get one of my emails, daily emails, I, I publish every weekday or at least try to, um, you can just respond to that and you'll reach me. And, and, and that's a great way. Um, you can find me, uh, at the subversions, the subversion showcase this summer at Freedom Fest in Las Vegas. Great. I'll be speaking there and, and people can enter the contest. If you have any listeners with cool ideas, subversive innovation ideas, you can submit to that. We're going to, we're going to have a, a big cash prize for the winner who has the best sort of like shark tank, but for subversive innovations.
0: That's great. Hey, uh... I plan on going out there, You meet Crypto Kid and Max. And yeah, man, I really appreciate you coming out to the show. And when we meet up at Subversive, catch up afterwards at the event, maybe get a cup of coffee or a beer. And um, yeah, i like to see what you're um, working on personally and seeing some of the um, bills that you have going on. And uh, what else? Well, that's pretty much it. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Dude. I man, know you're busy. A... I know you're a busy guy and it's an honor to have you on my show. And um oh, I, I had a blast and I keep keep up the great work with the show. Exactly. I, I'll try. I'll try. I'm not making any promises, but uh I wish you the best on your endeavors, man. I really do. And um, yeah, hopefully you get, come back on the show and uh we'll get an update on it. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much.